Well, it's good to carry on. We're now in Romans 8. So we're now officially almost, almost halfway through Romans. So we're going to look at Romans 8 together. And we're going to look at verses 1 to 17 this evening. See, this morning, if you were here, you know that we looked at chapter 7. We read through chapter 7. And we are in a constant battle. We are in a battle. We're in a constant struggle between the people that we long to be and the people that we are, or should I say the person that we long to be and the person that I am. See, sin keeps rearing its ugly head in our lives. And what we do with that sin and how we deal with that sin, well, we need to make sure we do it in the right way. See, sin keeps us from fulfilling God's promises and God's promise over our life. We look through to all the passage of the do's and do nots. It's almost like the duality of man where we want to be one thing, but we, we don't. It says, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I hate to do, I do. It's a battle within our souls. We're always in that place where we're wrestling back and forward going, you know, why do I do that whenever I don't want to do it? And why am I not, or why am I not doing what I know I should do? We constantly have that choice. We constantly have that battle. And whether we give in to whether it's peer pressure or whatever it is that we give in to, to, to actually not do what we're meant to do, we just need to forget about all that and come to Jesus and get forgiveness for all the things that we have or haven't done right. Because as we all know, it's not about what we do or do not do. It's actually, it's all about Jesus and what God has done for us. That's the big difference actually between Christianity and basically every other religion in the world. They all say you've got to do this and do that. You've got to be this and be that. Whereas God just says in Christianity, he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Come to me and forget about the rest and you know what, we'll go through this together. Come to me, ask forgiveness, get forgiveness for the wrong things you've done. And you know what, we'll go through life, a transformed life. We are under God's grace not under the law. And this is where chapter 8 begins, because it begins with a very powerful statement where it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We find ourselves in that place that because of Jesus' sacrifice, we're no longer condemned. We no longer have to worry about the sin or the impact of sin on our lives. Now, obviously, to some sins, there's consequences for sins. So if you've um, ruined your body through taking loads of drugs, there's going to be a consequence, a consequence in your health and consequences on you for what you've done to your body. That's what, ha that's what happens. It doesn't take away the consequences of the sin, but it takes away the guilt and the shame surrounding the sin. So we have no condemnation. We don't need to feel condemned and guilty about anything we've ever done wrong. If we bring it to God, um, he's faithful and just to forgive us. It won't be held against us. And this liberates us because it gives us a real freedom that other people don't get. We don't have to do anything to earn this. It's, a, it's the free gift that we keep reminding ourselves about. This is totally free. It's totally acceptable. And in verse 2, it says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life 
has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, Jesus came and Jesus came into this world and he lived in this world, but he didn't allow sin to impact his life. He didn't allow sin in. He kept his holiness when he came. He came and he led this holy existence. He was fully human and fully God. He left God's side and he chose to come down. And at numerous points it says he could have called 10,000 angels and just wiped out the planet, wiped out the world and just started again. But he chose not to. See, he knew that he had to come down and live the perfect life and then be the perfect sacrifice for us. He had to actually sacrifice for all the sin that was in the world. See, God knew that by giving us the law would only highlight the gap between us and God. So by, giving, by writing down what was right and what was wrong, that would just highlight how little we can actually do. The law only pointed out the problem. But when Jesus came, Jesus was the solution. Jesus was the solution to the problem. So through Adam, sin entered into the human race, and the human race was contaminated, if you want to put it that way, by sin. Everybody was going to be a sinner. Everybody is a sinner. But whenever we choose Jesus, whenever we choose to um, accept his grace in our life and his mercy in our life, that's when forgiveness enters into us. That's why he's the solution. He came and he led this sinless life to take on the sin of the world. He came to actually justify the requirement to get us to the holy place again. So if holiness is here and through our sin we end up underneath it, Jesus, whenever he came, he came to make that gap up. He came to raise us up to holiness again so that we can be accepted into God's presence again, which is why whenever we sin and Jesus' blood covers our sin and covers the wrong stuff we do, whenever we do that, we can then enter into God's presence. And he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see the stuff which disqualifies us because it's covered by the blood of Jesus. It's removed from us. And that's the requirement of the law because the law in itself is holiness. But without the grace of God, we will never attain that holiness. We will never get, be, we'll never be good enough. And that's what Jesus came for. And that's what Jesus makes us whenever we come to him and ask forgiveness. When we ask forgiveness, he is faithful and he is just to forgive anybody who asks him. This is why every time we mess up, every time we screw up, every time we know we don't reach God's standards, we need to have a short record with God. We need to say, God, I'm sorry, and move on. Don't live under the guilt of the mistakes you make because it's guaranteed that we will make mistakes. At some point, you will make mistakes. Even the most holiest person in the world will make mistakes. They will sin. In verse 5, it says, Those who live according to the flesh 
have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. This challenges us. What's driving us? What's driving the, the passions of your life? What's driving um, the essence of who you are? What's driving your beliefs? What's driving your uh, morals? What's driving the core of who you are? Because the thing is, if you're looking to some inspirational figures, even through history, if you're looking to um, some celebrities, and if you're looking around you at all the people around you, and you're allowing your morals to be took from that, you're just, you're just, your standards aren't very high, according to biblical standards. See, what should motivate us is whenever we read what the Bible says about things and make us go, wow, I want to be like that. I want to be like that person. I want to, like, if we look at King David, King David messed up loads. But what did God say about him? He's a man who desires my heart. Do we desire the heart of God? Do we desire the chase after the heart of God? Do we desire to know what God thinks about situations that we walk into? So whenever we walk into that same situation, we will have the heart of God. We will have the mindset of, of Jesus. So it's too easy sometimes to condemn that person that we know is just um, wrecking their life in whatever shape or form. But whenever Jesus had the adulterous woman brought before him, the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, and by their law, they had the right to stone her. What did Jesus do? Jesus sat down, wrote in the ground. I'd love to know what he wrote. It does, the Bible doesn't tell us. But he wrote in the ground. And then he stood up and he said, anybody who hasn't sinned can cast the first stone. And then he sat down and kept writing. And one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, the people left. They stopped throwing their insults and remarks. And you know what? Jesus could have stood up and threw the first stone. He had the right to. Because that's what the Bible actually says. That's, that's what their law actually declared, that, um, that somebody who commits adultery was supposed to be stoned to death. So Jesus could have threw that first stone because he was sinless. But he chose not to. He chose to say, go and sin no more. So what's, what's our motivation for the morals and the beliefs that we have? Now, it's great. There is some inspirational figures out there but I don't want us to set our bar too low. I want us to look at Jesus. I want us to look at the Bible and what the Bible says about things and glean our beliefs and our morals from the Bible because I want to, be, uh, I want to have my mind set on spiritual things, not just on fleshly things. That's why, we, that's why I don't want us to look at, uh, around the world. I want us to look at God. It says in verse six, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. See, this is the truth, that we cannot do anything to please God. So are we living to honor the fleshly side of things? Or are we living trying to honor God with our life? It's a choice. It's a very plain and simple choice. Either we're living to please ourselves or we're living to please God. Are our minds alive with the things of God? Do we focus on the things of God or do we allow any old thought to come in? Do we allow any old, um, any old thing just to be on the TV, any old thing just to be filling our minds? Because whatever you fill yourself with, that's what will come out of you. That's what will come out of your heart. 
Like you can't expect fresh water to come out of a salt water stream. So if you're filling yourself full of salt in essence, you're going to taste salty. I don't know if you remember, but years ago they used to have a, a, a sunfist, I think it was. It was like an orange juice. And actually there was some kids who started drinking so much orange juice that it actually started changing the pigment of their skin. Yeah, that, that's how unhealthy, because it was all um, unnatural additives that they were adding to it to make it more orangey and, and stuff. And actually, they drunk that much of it, the pigment of their, chain, their skin changed. So in essence, what you put into your life, that's what will come out. And it's the same with your morals. It's the same with your belief. It's the same with the spiritual side of you. Whatever you focus on, that's what you'll become. Whatever you think about, that's what you're going to do. So if you're worried about something more than you're wor uh, worried about what God thinks about it, then you're going to become more like that thing instead of more like God and knowing what God thinks. See, it's about living a healthy lifestyle in relationship with God and not only in relationship, in the right relationship with God. Because you can be in a relationship and it not be a very healthy relationship. I know whenever I was going out with this one girl once, um, we, were, you know, we were going out, we ended up going out for a year and a half. But was it a good relationship? No. But neither of us wanted to give up on it. And we both tried and tried and tried. And the more we tried, the more uh, we fought and the more friction there was in the relationship. And it just ended up being a very negative relationship. And we all walked away from it very hurt because it was just, uh, you know, it was just really negative, the whole vibe around the relationship. So that's why I'm saying we've got to be really careful that we live in a good and strong and healthy relationship with God because we want to know what he thinks about things. We want to live life in a good, healthy communion with God. We don't want to live where there's loads of friction and where, where we're trying to follow our own desires and God's like, no, can you not come the way I've planned? We don't want to be like that with God. We don't want to come to God thinking we know better. In verse 9, it says, You, however, are not meant, or sorry, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. See, if you've accepted Jesus into your life and you accept the forgiveness of God, then you've, you've accepted God's Spirit into your life. You accept the Holy Spirit to come into your life. If you haven't accepted the Holy Spirit into your life, then it does question here even that do you even know God? Do you even know the salvation that you claim to know? Because it says, uh, it says, you are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So do you have the Spirit of Christ in you? I really hope and pray that all of us accept that the Holy Spirit is in our lives and the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives and through our lives. I don't mean in some wacky way, but I mean in a genuine, authentic encounter with the living God who just wants to open up um, the relationship between us and God so that there's clear passageways for us to talk to God and God to talk to us. And so he can guide us through life and he can enable us to live in God's presence. That's what we need. We need to be enabled to live in God's presence. And this is a process. This takes time. It takes time to get used to being in the presence of God because it's overwhelming. 
That's why whenever you pray for some people, they're so overwhelmed by the presence of God, they'll fall over. Now, and that, that, can, that is authentic. Yes, there is some people who have faked it. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of people who have faked encounters with God. But it's genuine. Whenever sometimes when you pray for people, they fall over because they just can't um, control it and they're overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. In verse 10, it says, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. This is a spirit that we're meant to live in tune with. We are meant to live in tune with God and display his righteousness. We're supposed to be vessels that carry the righteousness of God. We're supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be um, living in right relationship with God. And then God's spirit does speak in us, to us, and through us. See, he displays it in us for all the world to see. It's like a light shining inside a broken vessel. You can see all, through all the cracks, you can see God, and you can see God shining. We're not meant to have it all together before we come to God. We're not meant to know everything, but in our brokenness, we're supposed to come to God and say, God, come and use me. God, come and, and, and do, use me in any way. We're meant to be filled full of the gifts of the Spirit of God. We're meant to use these gifts that God freely gives us. Verse 11, it says, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of, because of his Spirit who lives in you. See, we have the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that, um, that Jesus, well, because Jesus is God, was going about performing all the miracles, the same Holy Spirit that the disciples had and was filled up with on that day of Pentecost, that same Holy Spirit, whenever it seemed like tongues of fire landed on them, and then they went out speaking different languages, and then they went out and they were healing people in the name of Jesus. They were, um, had words of knowledge for people, that people were absolutely dumbfounded about how on earth could these, these Galileans be doing this. People couldn't understand it. And in the same way, that's the way we're meant to live. We're meant to live being filled with the Holy Spirit so that people will be like, but they were from Gornal. How can they do that? That's the same sort of questions people are meant to be asking. Because we live filled full of God, we're that full of God that just overflows out of us in a natural way. See, the Holy Spirit will work through us if we let it. We are powerful people. And we have the power of God in us. Do you believe that about yourself? Do you believe that you're a powerful person because of what God has done and because of God living in you? As, we, as I keep saying, he's not a distant God. He's a God who lives with us and in us. He sends part of himself to live inside of us to help us through everyday life. So what does that mean to us? Let's read on in verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. See, this is where we see the amazing teaching of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit enables us to hear God's teaching and understands it. And as we entrust our lives to God's teaching, 
then he will empower us to go and do all things that he has instructed us to do. It's our obligation not to endorse the sinful side of our lives because we could easily claim to be a Christian thinking God will forgive all the sins because that's, that's what he promises to do. He promises any sin to forgive any sin that we repent of, any sin that we, um, any sin that we do. He's faithful and just to forgive. But the thing is, we have an obligation to actually be filled full of God, to reflect God, to show God in us. We can choose to take control back from God, though. We can choose to not allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. See, as we trust the Holy Spirit's leading in life, we've got to let it, all of our misdeeds just be put to death. All of the wrong things we've done, we need to be allowed to be put to death. Because in verse 14, it says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's why we want, we've got to let all the wrong things go. We've got to let it go. And we've actually got to realize that we are children of God. We're not just somebody who's associated with God. We're not just somebody who is associated with Christianity. We are actually brought into the family. We're adopted into the family. We are the children of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're a child of God? That you're not actually just um, visiting for a season and then you're off? But when you're a child of God, you're part of the family. So are you letting God, are you letting the family business in essence, are you letting the, um, the, the thing that the family cares about, the thing that the family believes in, are you allowing that to become you? Are you allowing yourself to become part of the family of God? And are we even allowing God to instruct us in the simple little things? So you know you need a pint of milk, so you go, God, I know I'm going to go out for a pint of milk. Which shop do you want me to go to so it could be in the right place, just in case I run into someone that I have to share some good news with? Do you even give going to the shop to buy milk to God so that God can use it? That's how simple we're supposed to make it. I'm going to go out for a walk. I'm going to take my dogs for a walk, David. So every time you, you are, are you expecting God to go out and use you in the midst of your walking? I'm sure we are. I'm just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, you know, that's how excited we need to be about going out and sharing what the family believes in, what the family business is. The family business is sharing the life which is in the family, and it's a free gift to all. Because verse 15, it says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves. We're not slaves. We're not called into God just to do things for God. We're called in to be ourselves in the family so that you live in fear again. God doesn't want us to come in to live in fear, but rather the spirit you received brought you, or sorry, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. If you've, if you've said you're sorry for your sins, if you've repented, turned away from your old life and said, God, I want to follow you. I want your grace in my life. He actually brings us into the family. We're adopted in. And I don't know if you know much about adoption, but adoption actually gives the person more, as much rights, if not more, than somebody that's actually blood. Adoption is that strong. And that's, what, that's why we're able to cry out, Abba, Father, my beloved Father. 
See, whenever Jesus taught his disciples to pray, what does he start with? Our Father, Abba Father. That's what he starts with. He starts with Father. And the thing is, to Jews at that time, they, they didn't really feel like it was acceptable to be calling God their Father. But yet we pray now, Abba Father. So whenever we pray to God, we need to remember that we're approaching our Father. Now, it was funny, David and I were chatting this morning, and um, I was, ended up sharing about a meme that I'd seen. And the meme has two quotes on it. And it says, oh, no, I've messed up. I hope my dad doesn't find out. And then the other one says, oh, no, I've messed up. I better phone my dad. And you know, you know which one is, is pointing towards God there, don't you? Oh, no, I better phone my dad. God is not some uh, father who's sitting there with a stick waiting for us to mess up so he can tell us off and tell us what we've done wrong. He wants, us to be, he wants to be that father that it's your first port of call. It's not your last resort. That's what you said back to me, David. You know, he doesn't, God doesn't want to be a last resort. Oh, no, nothing else has worked. Let's pray. Because nothing else has worked, so I might as well try praying. Whereas we're supposed to be like, oh, no, something might go wrong. God, what do you think? What's going to happen? Okay, guide me through this. You know, at the first possible hint that there could be anything that's what we're meant to be because we're not slaves. We're sons and daughters. That's what we're meant to be. See, God's spirit is in us and it makes us sons and daughters of the living God. It's God's work within us that God allows us to come to peace and to come with, to terms with all of the stuff that we're struggled with. And we're meant to be overjoyed by what God has done so much that we just approach up to him or approach him and just jump up onto his knee almost, if you can imagine Naomi. You know, whenever she comes running up to me, she jumps into my arms, she jumps onto my knee if I'm on the sofa. She just wants to be with me and be, you know, near me and to talk to me. And, well, she keeps talking and talking and talking to me. You know, Naomi doesn't know how to be quiet. And that's what we're meant to be with God. We're meant to be in that real relationship where, where we're just pouring out um, our hearts to each other where we're able to invest in each other and we're actually able to share. And that's what the Holy Spirit's supposed to enable within us. That relationship where it just naturally bubbles up because we're so full of the joy of what God's done in our life that it just naturally just takes over everything and encourages us. See, we live knowing that God loves us and he wants what's best for us. Does that mean I'll, I'll let Naomi get away with blue murder? No. I don't let her, I don't let her get, with, get away with stuff, especially if it's dangerous. So I, always so I taught her, as soon as we got the open fire, we look, but we don't touch. You know, and then if she, if she gets too close, I, I tell her off, and I pull her back. I was like, no, you don't go there. We look, but we don't touch. You know, whenever she, um, you know, she goes to go down the stairs, I'm always like, be careful. You know, if she does something wrong, like if she, well, what she does sometimes, she bites Sometimes she bites me. Sometimes she bites, you know, somebody else or one of the kids she's playing with. So, no, we take her to the side and we discipline her. But does that change the love? Does that change the, the meaningfulness of the relationship? No. So at times we will be disciplined by God. At times we will be challenged in this relationship. But what relationship would it be if I let her get away with whatever she wants? And it's the same with God. It's the same with the spirit living inside of us. That's what we're meant to do. 
Because in verse 16, it says, this spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. See, this spirit testifies with our spirit who we are. It tells us, the Holy Spirit tells us and teaches us that we really are children of God, that we really are part of the family of God. We really are here with God. So we carry God with us everywhere we go. So it's no longer uh, you know, that we think we can hide from God because God's in us. When you accept God's forgiveness, God comes and lives inside of you. So you can't hide from God. You have nothing to hide from God. If anything, we try and fool ourselves into thinking that we're, we're able to hide something from God. So are we, trying, are we at conflict with God within us or are we at peace and fully open to God living in us through his spirit? You see, the gifts of the spirit are part of the outworking of the spirit. And this is something that is meant for all believers. We're all meant to work with the gifts of the spirit. We're all meant to be open to the gifts and to the leading of the Spirit. And we can look through these sometime, and we will look through them as a church. We will look through and we'll look at them in depth. But I'll read out a quick list of what, um, what the gifts of the Spirit are. Because it says in um, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 11, it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So whenever the Spirit reveals itself in a special way, it's given for the common good. It says, to one there is given the Spirit, uh, sorry, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, and to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are at work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. See, this is where we get to trust God with the, with the Spirit. So whenever we feel prompted and led by his Holy Spirit to do something or say something that we normally wouldn't say, to do something that we wouldn't normally do, we need to be sensitive to God's leading and we need to trust him. We need to step out in faith. Because why? Because this is for the common good. It's for the good of the body. It's for the good of God that we do this. So when God asks you to step out in faith and do something, which might seem risky, so maybe you're just in a supermarket and you feel like you've got a word of knowledge for that person, that God wants you to walk up to them and say, God knows the situation you're walking through and he's right there with you. Or you don't know, it could be something more elaborate or less elaborate than that. Even if it's something new, for you and you haven't done it before, and you really believe it's God speaking to you, step out in faith and do it. 
That's what you're meant to do. Whether you're walking the dogs in the park or whether you're um, down the shop buying milk or whether you're in a meeting like this, no matter how official or unofficial, if God challenges you and asks you to do something, step out in faith and trust him. We're never too old, as we know from last week, whenever Mark spoke to us, you're never too old. You're never too old to serve God. Because you know what? You may have some heavenly wisdom that will actually transform the situation that they're walking through. You don't know what you're saying. Even if it sounds daft to you, it might make perfect sense to the person who's listening. This is where we need to trust God, and this is where we need to trust that the God of miracles is here today. He's present in our lives. He's not just present when we meet in church. He's not just present whenever we um, pray on a Monday night. He's not just present whenever we have a specific meeting. He's present in every area of our life all the time, all day. This is the God that we love. This is the God that we trust and entrust our life to. So we need to trust that he will speak to us and through us. So we need to entrust all of our lives to him, not just a part. And we need to listen to it when he leads us into a situation. Because he will lead you into situations. And he will speak to you. But do, will you listen? Will I listen? This is where we need to step out in faith and risk looking foolish, risk looking silly for the sake of God. But you know what? It could transform somebody's life. Even if you do look foolish, at the time, they mightn't even understand it. You mightn't even understand it. I've had plenty of people I've given a word to go, I don't understand that, and walk away confused. And I run into them a month later or two months later or a year later, and they just go, you know what? Everything you said made perfect sense in hindsight. You know what? You don't understand sometimes. Like um, at Soul Survivor, um, I've been part of um, some prophecy teams where we'll actually sit down with someone and they can record everything that we say and they go away and they weigh and test. So we prophesy over them. We believe we're speaking some words of knowledge and words of wisdom from God over their lives. So they record it. And the amount of times I'll run up to, uh, I'll have people run up to me the following year and just go, you know what? Everything you said came true. And I, and I, I don't have a clue what I said. I don't remember it because it wasn't for me and I just didn't store it in my memory banks. And I'm just sitting going, oh, well, that's amazing. God bless you. You know what? And that's how we're meant to approach this. We're meant to hold on to all of these gifts lightly because as I, as I said there, God will take them and give them out as he desires. So one day you might be able to pray for someone and see them healed. The next day you'll pray for someone in the exact same situation and they won't be healed and we won't understand why. But does that mean we stop praying? Does that mean we stop actually stepping out in faith and risking? No. We keep doing what the Bible says. We pray for the sick. We pray for those who, um, who need a touch of God. We'll speak positive words over them. We'll encourage them. We'll prophesy over them. We'll tell them what God's plans for them are. We'll tell them what God thinks about them. We'll inspire them through the words of the Bible, through the words of the Holy Spirit speaking through us. We will be real disciples of Jesus. Because what did Jesus do? Let's do it the same as Jesus did. Let's encourage those people who are downtrodden and broken and hurting.
let's go out into the world and serve the world and let the fire of God burn inside of us. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you inspire us, God. Thank you that you are an inspiration. God, thank you that we know we need to live our life in tune with the Spirit, not in tune with all these fleshly desires that will try and take away from what you want to do in this world. But God, if we entrust our lives to you, you will take us on a journey so radical, so amazing, and so life-transforming that we even won't understand it until we're looking back in retrospect. But God, enable us to listen to your voice. Enable us to listen to your leading and allow us to step out in faith as we choose to follow you. God, it needs to be a choice. And God, you are the perfect gentleman. You will not force yourself on us. So God, allow us to open ourselves up to the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit and with its leading. And God, may we serve you with all that we have. May we be inspired by you and be inspired through you. God, we entrust our lives to you because we know you are a loving God who cares for us. So God, Holy Spirit and Jesus, just come and enable through our lives that we may reach the lost, that we may reach out to those who are hurting and in pain and may we see lives transformed. God, help us choose to follow you every day. For the sake of the world, God, burn like a fire inside of us and allow that fire to overwhelm us. Allow that fire just to be on display for all the world to see so that you can show through broken people like us what you can do through people who are sold out for you. In Jesus' name, amen.